So I was telling my friends about our podcast and yay. yay. <laughs> and I'm always like, you'll probably not be interested. <laughs> um, they've never read a romance novel before, either of them. And um, the guy said, so are there really like sex scenes in it? And I was like, yeah, of course, it's romance. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he was like, do they like explain it, though? Like he inserted it into it <laughs> inserted it into it <laughs> yeah. and i was like first of all please write a romance novel <laughs> i would just love to hear every sex scene go he inserted it into it <laughs> Uh, you know of all the like plethora of weird sometimes creepy sometimes okay words that you use for like all the different sex scenes you know it inserted it into it is hilarious (laughs) you know or he could write like the shortest romance novel ever yeah i hate you i hate you too but now I love you. He inserted it into it. <laughs> That's the best romance I've ever heard. I am already <laughs> attached to those characters. <laughs> inserted is like the best yes. word. I'm sorry. It's something you do with a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. It's not something you do with someone else's body parts. <laughs> it makes me think he just went, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> That is the funniest noise. (laughs) Like a Coke bottle going into, like, you know, a river or something. Whoop. (laughs) Everyone's a little bit surprised. So to answer your friend, yes. Yes. Yes, that is every romance novel. That is. (laughs) Fantastic. Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is Series 1, Season 2, Episode 12 of our Romance Novel Focus Podcast. My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today are we, discussing, we are discussing Stud in the Staff. Stud in the Peepa Staff. Grant. <laughs> Stud in the stacks. Somebody asked me if it was a different type of stacks. And I was like, I've never heard of that kind of stacks. <laughs> I was like, you know, library stacks, that's what they call a library. Oh, yeah, oh. that's not that's not part of it. Yeah, I forget that people don't realize that the shelves in a library, the library shelves are called the stacks. I agree it doesn't make sense, but it's you totally know. an in joke. Like, everybody who is a librarian would get it. Yes, Or is yes. sufficiently nerdy to know what a stack is. Exactly. Well, yeah, because you knew, you knew what a stack was, right? Yeah. Good. Don't you good, have a good. rant about don't have sex in the stacks? Yes, we're getting early, but <laughs> I hate it when people either make the joke to myself or make the joke to librarians in general that we sh- we're all having sex in the that people you know that we should that we have a lot of sex in the sacks or other people are having sex. Don't have sex in my workplace. <laughs> that is all I ask. And also, we keep we librarians we like to keep our books when we have them for a really long time. Like, do not get any bodily fluid on our books. Unsanitary. Like, it's gross. It's so gross because those books are there like forever. And I don't know which books you touched with your gross hands mm-hmm. or whatever's. Like, don't have sex. Those things that you touched with your whatever. Yeah, with your whatever. I don't know what you touched. I already know that you probably take library books into the bathroom. That's gross. <laughs> Like, like, just don't have, like, you're just making it worse if you have sex next to my books. Like, and I, you know, I feel bad for every person I've known. It's never happened to me. But when you find someone having sex in the library, like, yeah. it's gross. It's uncomfortable for everyone. That is like, gross. Like, it, it's know, not, like, whimsical. <laughs> um, You know, Alana, nobody's ever asked me if I've had sex in my workplace. No exactly. one. <laughs> Exactly. 
I know. No one ever like, you know, if you say, oh, I'm a graphic designer, they're like, oh, did you, have you had sex? I don't know, with the Adobe Creative Suite, you know, like, (laughs) like no one, no one is probably like, oh, you work at a bank. Have you ever had sex in the banking areas? No, because that's incredibly unprofessional. Yes. (laughs) And also like, why? Like, (laughs) Yes, and also, like, if you had sex next to the money, everyone has to use that money, and then you'd get your bodily fluids on the money. <laughs> like, it's a problem with things that other people have to use that are circulating items. The point of a library is that they, all the items in it circulate. <laughs> I love that. Like, uh, uh, just... No, it happens to me all the time, and people are like, tee-hee-hee, and then I get in trouble for, like, people are like, oh, you're, like, anti-sex or whatever. I'm like, I'm not anti-sex. I'm just anti-having sex in my workplace. <laughs> like, like I don't crude. know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and people are like, why are you angry? I'm like, because you said you wanted to have sex in my workplace. <laughs> uh, no, no. So, so there you go. Stud in the stacks. Um... Uh, I just want, I'm going to jump right into what I'm drinking. Okay. Um, so I made a margarita. I've never made a margarita and they are delightful. You've never made a um, margarita before? I, I've never. I've drank many margaritas, but I, I have never made a margarita. I thought it was more complicated than it is. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, uh, and I made a, a margarita and I, um, I call it the hard knocks life. <laughs> Um, cause the main character of the book is named Knox and he makes many jokes about his name, including that it's a hard Knox life. Often, uh, often with pelvic thrusts. That's, often with pelvic that's thrusts. That's how he makes his pun jokes. Knox, Knox, knockin'. <laughs> um... Uh, anyway, yeah, 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 that's, that's real, that's real. So yeah, it's got, um, and then I, it's basically a margarita, except I muddled some jalapeno Mm -hmm. into it to make it a little bit spicy. Fancy. Uh, so it's got one and a half ounces of tequila, an ounce of fresh lime juice, an ounce, half an ounce of triple sec, uh, a half an ounce of simple syrup, two jalapeno coins. Coins? I didn't realize that like a slice of jalapeno is a coin. Um, I, uh, and then, yeah, so then you, um, muddle the jalapeno coins with the simple syrup at the bottom. Nice. And then you add in everything and you give it some shakes. Some shakes. And then you, and then you made it, um, and, and, uh, and it's delightful. It's a delightful drink. Um, uh, my husband, Matthew, in a, cause he's a really good husband is like, you could be a real bartender. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Cause he tried some of it. What are you drinking, Wendy? I am drinking my mimosas. Nice. A getting lit staple, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Probably because we always... I am like an early bird, so we do these at like noon um, Wendy's time. So it's always kind of breakfast time for Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) I I do also have my cup of coffee right next to it. Nice, nice, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we could do it later, but that's the way we do it. <laughs> I kind of like it now. Because day drunk is so much better than night drunk. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's like you've got your whole day. Yeah. You've got your whole day. Basically, I just, I get drunk, and then I roll around for a while going, I'm drunk, I'm drunk, I'm drunk. And then I get hungover, and then I'm fine. And then I can go to sleep. Like, I can never sleep when I'm hungover. I feel like when I get tipsy and I, and I try and go to sleep... For some reason, when all the alcohol has left my body and I'm no longer drunk, like, my body wakes me up again to oh be like, God, there's no too. more alcohol. Me too. And my friends yeah, think I'm crazy because I will spend the night at their place, but then leave at, like, four in the morning because my body said, hey, guess what? You're not drunk anymore. You're now hungover. And then I, like, uh. can't stay there. I just want my bed. Uh, I often, like, leave behind stuff in my haste to uh, get out. <laughs> like, one time I left a shoe. <laughs> and I do it to new friends and old friends are like, oh, yeah, that's Wendy. You're just like, and I'm sure they're every single time they're, like, convinced you got kidnapped or something. Mm-hmm. Like, where's Wendy? Nope. 
She's just gone. And there's a certain social structure of, like, sleeping over at someone's house. And then you can, like, enjoy a lazy morning. You can have breakfast together. You can go out for breakfast. You know, you can talk about the day afterwards. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that social construct. But I also just really want to sleep in my bed. So. Yeah. That's true. That's where I go. <laughs> so um, this book has a fictionalized account of the main character is a librarian who uh, has a romance novel blog. Um, and uh, he is responding to a, is it a New York Times in this story? It's a New York it Times is. article that is demeaning about romance novel. And he gives the guy in the story like the what's what and then that guy ends up coming to his romance novel program Mm -hmm. but we both immediately realized this book had been written recently and it's based on an actual series of of controversies so i think for the rant for this one you want to do you want to kind of give everyone kind of the lowdown about about the New York Times article and some of the responses, because we thought we'd talk about it as well. So when I read that, I was like, this seems really familiar. And then I remembered that a while back, there was some, some awful article from New York Times that got some, that got some um, pushback from the romance novel community. And um, I, I, I don't know if this is based on it, because... It, it turns out that was in late 2017, and this book was published in 2018. So either she's like a really fast writer, <laughs> and they just pushed it through the publishing, or um, it's compared to a, an earlier place. So also, I looked up, um, there's a part where he writes this response, and then he's like, wow, like, I did not expect the the social media coverage and the, the news coverage on this on this thing, um, you know, accomplished authors are writing to the New York Times all the time and they don't get picked up and suddenly I am, you know. And he, he mentions Sarah McLean and Sarah McLean actually made a response to um, how the New York Times is not going to, New York Times says that they refuse to review romance novels. Even though they they review science fiction, they review mystery, they review whatever best-selling bullshit is out there, you know. And so I found that one, and then her response was back in 2013. So maybe it was like, I don't know, maybe just a coincidence, maybe it was about the earlier one, I don't know. But it's not surprising at all (laughs) to think that (laughs) the New York Times is somehow bitchy about (laughs) the romance (laughs) novel, the romance novel genre. So in, in the one that I read in 2017, um, this guy, Robert Gottlieb, if that's how you pronounce it, um, writes this like summary of all the books coming out, all the romance novels coming out um, that summer, and basically just gives like a down and dirty, like barely touching every book that he wants to talk about. And um, when he does, he reduces it down to what ridiculous thing is going on and also um, the sex scenes. Like, he, like, loves to, like, point out, like, you know, we talk about his chest and, you know, the the ridiculous words that people use to, to make sex scenes, you know. And it's like, dude, like, romance novels are so much more than that. They're just so much more than sex scenes. And then he gives this totally condescending summary of what the romance novels um, went through in the past 30 years, which is like, okay, that's <laughs> that's your point. Um, <clears throat> he calls Nora Roberts the only sensible romance novel writer. And then <laughs> he, he also says, like, guys read James Bond novels, so it's just the same. And it's also just as harmless. And I was like, harmless? That's how you ended it? Harmless? So it was totally totally condescending and snooty and not helpful to the romance community at all. And so many people responded to it. There were like 51 comments before they shut it down. And a lot of the comments were like, wow, thanks for mansplaining the romance novel community for me. Thank you. This is really helpful. And there was such outrage that the editor actually responded. 
And the editor, who is a woman, who might be Rashada Jones, I don't know, um, she said basically in the snooty New York Times language that um, we're here to review real books and we're we're here to give real reviews. So if you want your like super fan fluffy nonsense, you can go somewhere else. And it was like, first of all, there's there are a lot of fan communities on romance novels. There are also a lot of people who are talking very specifically about romance novels and about the the theories behind it very thoughtfully. Yeah, and I think there it's it's useful beyond escapism, right? Yeah. Um and that there are elements of and it's not I mean, you can look at it like you look at science fiction where it's speculative, but also I think that there are things that women legitimately want out of the books that are not unreasonable, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not like, oh, that it all exists in the sort of neverwhere. I think it's something that's real that women want out of it, but also, anyway, because he was kind of branding it all as escapism. And, and non-reality, harmless, and harmless, and it's like okay, so let's let's be honest. A scullery maid marrying a duke, yeah, that's ridiculous. But also, so is superhero novels. So are like so many other things out there, you know. And yet, it's not the tropes itself; it's what you do with the tropes that matter. Yeah, and this is um, we were talking about this a little bit before the the podcast but it's a it's a little bit dangerous to take the tools that are usually used to describe literary fiction and apply the exact same metrics to something that has been made out of um romance novels because romance novels i mean there is a certain um nuance to romance novels like i mean even in the fact that some books are from a formula level very simplistic but both of us love it but a book can be very complicated and nuanced as a as a formula, but we can hate it because it's being badly executed, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think that there is a, a appreciation that someone new to a genre, like, I'm just going to say this guy, maybe doesn't understand the nuance of that genre just from reading books over one summer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, like, a dangerous um, of using the metrics for high culture and applying them to low culture kind of in the same way of like when I was in high, no, when I was in college, a bunch of my friends would, would dress up like they were going to the opera and then go and eat at McDonald's (laughs) and be very fancy about it. (laughs) You know, like, and that's a satiristic activity, but because you're applying the ways that rules of behavior from one venue to another, and it's not necessarily to say that there's anything wrong with wearing your sweatpants and going to McDonald's, because that's what you would do, right? You're, And that's equally valid, yeah. right? Like, there's a difference between saying that they're equally valid but have different metrics, and they're not equally valid but they are harmless. Yeah. You know? It's because they present no threat to the order of... Of this predominantly um, male, I'm going to say male-dominated critique culture, um, you know, like that they possess no threat to that. Therefore, we're just going to kind of ho-hum it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it is definitely a gender issue also because... What do things that are quote unquote harmless have in common? Usually it's loved by women and created by yeah. women and um everything like that. And it's it's funny, like this is kind of like dear to my heart, this kind of conversation because so I was an English major and I think very critically of any kind of novel that I'm reading. My friends who are in a book club with me sort of kind of hate it. Because I hate everything. (laughs) Because I can find, like, some sort of issue with, like, the most renowned book. And it's usually because it's a gender issue. It's really, it's usually because I am so sickened by the male gaze that is going on in that book that I can't get over it and I can't look at it. And, you know, it, it makes me think, like, what is good? 
because I'm I'm a smart person. I can figure out what is good and what is not good. So why is it that I'm running away from every single type of genre except for romance novels? Um, I like to say that I'm a character person. I like character development, but I don't necessarily like plot development to the expense of character development, you know. Uh-huh. The contemporary novel that has the A novel below it usually has some sort of like mental epiphany that they have, you know, which I, I think is totally conceited. And I think it's just them rolling around in their head all alone, you know, which uh-huh. is a very big part of the the specific novel. So why is it that these characters who become alive or don't you know because there's good or bad there's there's well written there's not well written within the romance community uh why are these characters that reach towards something that is achievable so if you take out the ridiculous tropes they're what they're really doing is they're these characters are trying to find love they're trying to find self-actualization you know that type of thing why is that harder to understand than you know some dude who's like a scientist it's confusing to me yeah like why is it so hard to imagine that someone would like a book not because the of the mechanisms of the novel or the structure of the novel or the plot of the novel but for the characters within it why is that so hard for a new york times columnist to understand yeah and i should say that there's also a racial perspective to the critiques because another thing that those things brought up was that he reviewed a book with a black heroine and a white hero and he thought that the black heroine was not black enough in her presentation oh my god Um, as well. So, I mean, there's this gender perspective, but there's also things that you would never say, um, if you were looking, especially, especially in terms of this conversation about character, because if the characterization allows for nuance of character, like a black character who quote unquote does not seem black in the same way, because their goal is to be a character inside the novel, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they are given more levity inside that story. And so to mock a character for basically being a unique and and, uh, and, and nuanced perspective um, is it was also really offensive in that environment. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. I guess he's yeah. like 86. This guy who. Wrote yeah, he's 80. <laughs> yeah, he's 86. Why the fuck is he writing romance novels? And then, uh, and then, like, yeah. the editor was like, but he loves romance novels. And I was like, okay. Obviously in a condescending way. And I think after, I think it was also the stakes were very high for what the New York Times would say, having sort of condemned it before. And so this being kind of the first after saying that they wouldn't cover things, I think was, was sort of a slap in the face to the genre, yeah. right? It's not. That you Yeah. Not good. Plus, like, I think a lot of people that are, I mean, one of the people who responded was the Smart Bitches Read Trashy Books group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, a, a growing number of people, ourselves included, that are, are smart people, are read, well-read people who still prefer romance novels, right? Mm-hmm. And I think can kind of delight in them. And I think that I, I, I didn't read too much into it. I kind of skimmed the, the original one. But I think there was sort of a delight in the badness that I fully understood, but I don't know is useful in that space, right? But it wasn't um, it wasn't a delight in the badness in the way that we have delight in the badness or the way that <laughs> many romance novelists have or many in the romance community have for romance novels because it is silly it is like there's a reason why we're reading it it's silly it's fun they get together in the end you know nobody's talking about Mm -hmm. suicide nobody's talking about like (laughs) you know the politics of today it is great escapism but also it's when you only laugh at something you are not expanding your brain enough to figure out what is yeah. going on. Because I think one of the hardest things to do mentally is to hold two ideas at the same time. And the two ideas that I have at the same time are I really like romance 
for itself. It's character development. It's about women, you know. But also, I recognize that it's silly as fuck. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I can hold those two ideas in my head, and I prefer it that way. You know, when you mm-hmm. are when you are just discounting one for the for the bare minimum, like you can look at a romance novel and say, oh, that's ridiculous. That's as far as he went. That I think also what this has caused the romance novel community just by seeing this sort of happen inside of the librarian cultures that I'm also part of. I think it was a moment in which I think people, at least in te- in when people were discussing it, it really was a moment to grapple with the idea that our understanding of romance novels had changed over time, which is something we have talked about on this podcast before, is that romance novels have changed with a more educated readership. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, they're, they're very, we in this podcast and others are also very concerned with consent and very concerned with character formation and mm-hmm. making sure that the, the characters are nuanced and interesting and complicated. And I think we, as a readership, are driving romance novels to be very different than, than the type of romance novels that maybe existed before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that the way that we critique is so much more relevant to our daily lives than it is to say, like, I don't know, the plot was compelling or whatever. Yes. Because, you know, we we experience gender issues every day. And if this is the medium that helps us, like, express those gender differences and, and come to terms with them or or seek how to change them, then that's that's great. Like, we're creating conversations that are useful for us today and not necessarily some high-minded ivory tower bullshit. Yeah, I think um, the discussions of in particular with romance novels, the discussion of interpersonal behavior, I think has got to have some sort of positive psychological effect mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, totally. And and also, like, the thing that Robert Gottlieb said at the end was like, well, men read um, James Bond and it's basically the same type of escapism. No, it's not. Because romance novels, they're people having arguments with each other there are people trying Mm -hmm. to understand each other there are people who want to do things but can't do them you know and it's it's all of that is an exercise in empathy all of that is an is an exercise in interpersonal issues what exactly does james bond have he fucks people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> he shoots guns you know yeah and i think well something and maybe that is something like as much as we delight in the badness of these books i think that there is other kind of deeper things going on inside of romance novels than a james bond book right mm-hmm. or porn right or porn oh god yeah also that's the other thing that kills me romance novels are not porn they're just not I mean, they can be if used that way, but they're not. Like, <laughs> in this world, in this world of information and this world of um, everything at your fingertips, if you wanted porn, you would get porn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, there is no way to, like, not get porn. What is most important to me in romance novels is the love interest, the character development, the the tension that is built and none of that you can find in porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody always just laughs. Ha ha. It's porn basically for women. And that in itself is insulting because, you know, pornography for men is like hush hush and very, very secretive and very not okay. And then you just laugh at porn for women. Like, that's your plan. <laughs> in the romance novel, um, the character wrote an, a response to the snooty new york times person and this is um this is what he said i'm gonna read it so um he recently said i hate to break it to you but everybody has sex which is like the basis of romance novels you know and then he goes on to say what you and i and uh, are your neighbors and mail delivery person and co-workers do not do is ride around on motorboats in custom designer suits and sunglasses shooting at the bad guys and saving the girl from a raging lunatic nutcase hell-bent on blowing up the world we don't overdose on coffee at the local precinct and spend sleepless nights racing to find serial killers 
or puzzle out the world's unsolved mysteries. We don't get bitten by mutant spiders in experimental labs and end up with superpowers that lead us to swinging from the tallest building in the city to save citizens in distress. The things that romance novels deal with are so much more relatable than the things that escapism, quote unquote, for men, basically, deal with. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with it. I would go further, though, with that. I feel like I say this a lot, but some romance novels are good. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like throughout this podcast, I've been, like, trying to be like, romance novels can be good, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Also, when I like something, it also has to do with some weird thing, you know? Like, I liked Own the Wind. That That was not good by any means. (laughs) do you think romance novels can be good alana i think they can be good um i think we often don't pick ones that are statistically likely to be good in this (laughs) romance novel book club because i think we have a delight in badness um at least i do i think they can be i think they can be entertainment and i think they can be thoughtful as um books and i think they can make they can challenge us in similar ways to literary fiction Mm -hmm. and i think they can stay with us in similar ways to as literary fiction but i don't think my consuming of romance novels is like what i'm looking for is different than when i read a literary fiction book yeah um so I don't know if necessarily goodness in that literary way is what something I'm looking for all the time. Yeah. Um, but I can I can still get it, right? In the same way that, like, popular culture can be critically good. Yeah. Um, like, I'm in the same way that, like, like, a TV show can still be challenging and engrossing and intertextual even when it's My Little Pony, you know? Like, yeah. Like, you can have those, those types of situations, so... Do you want to switch gears now to um, sure. the book? Okay. So um, just to give you guys, my our, our readers, an idea, the theme of this of this particular book club is librarian romance. And so we are reading a book this time which involves a male librarian or, as they are called in my world, because I am a librarian, a guybrarian, which I don't think is a term they used in this book. What? Um, anyway... <laughs> A guy brarian. What about, um, what about librarian? 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 That might be a, li- a mouthful. I'll, I'll take it back to my community. It's a guy brarian. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to, yeah, and I'm going to just read a little bit. When it comes to women, I know what they want. And all day long, I give it to them. Dark, brooding, and sexy, you got it. Need to laugh? I'm your guy. Desperate for something to put you in the mood? Got You've got the, come to the right place, kitten. <laughs> Every morning when the library opens, there's a line around the block. The ladies flocking to me in need of their next book boyfriend. <laughs> I'm that dude. And the one who knows his way around the romance section. And if you think you that hasn't gotten plenty me plenty of action over the years, you, you'll be wrong. But I've made a few miscalculations, and now my reputation for my job is in danger. If I can't prove to the boss that I'm worth more than a playboy who recommends romance in hopes of getting some panky-panky, I can kiss my job goodbye. <laughs> The, the thing that drove me to the book is the ridiculous cover, which we've discussed before, shirtless. where it's a dude, a, a shirtless white dude with a ta- with an arm tattoo, um, who is, is tattoo? with some stacks behind him and a book in his hand. And he's shirtless. Um, and he's shirtless, and he's... <laughs> And his glasses have been photoshopped. Oh, on. they're so photoshopped. They don't even fit his nose. <laughs> if if you were to walk into a eye clinic and then try to buy those glasses, the helper mm-hmm. would be like, "Oh no, honey. <laughs> oh, they no, don't honey. they don't fit your face at all." So so this is our romance novel that involves librarians because there are as I found a ton of books that that deal with um uh, librarians in romance novels. I'm ashamed to say, but I'm I'm kind of afraid to to, to ask. But what did you think of the book, Wendy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have such a hard time with characters that have low self female characters in particular. I don't mind if the guys have low self esteem. <laughs> if the girls have low self esteem, I have a really hard time. And she did. So, so, 
Yeah, so her name was Parker. It looked like her last name was also Parker, and no, then she had another. Because no. he used to refer to her as Parker Parker. Yeah, he he referred to her as Parker Parker because she used to, she really loved James Bond, and so she would say, instead of Bond, James Bond, she would say Parker Parker Elliot, I think. Oh, yeah. Even though Parker is her first name. He was like, yeah, and that really made sense, because James doesn't say James, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so she and she and the, just to give you an idea this book is like a smorgasbord of romance novel genres so it is a bachelor auction which is a different <laughs> genre um and also a high school reunion where she has basically she goes to the bachelor auction to hire this um the main character Knox to go with her to her high school reunion but she's also in a band so oh, it's yeah, a rocker cool. um and anyway so so there's and also like she has there are a lot of brothers in this novel and she has a brother <laughs> who's a spy so there's like a little bit of a spy and almost hockey romance thing in the background there... you can tell there are all sorts of like characters out of romance novels in this book there there is a surplus of bros wandering around because she has like four extremely intimidating <clears throat> brothers and then her um friend who's in the band has these two twin brothers who like just love to like <laughs> i don't know like creep on stage and just like start shimming or whatever <laughs> i don't know <laughs> just like hump someone i feel like they're just humping people all the time for fun I don't know. Maybe that's the problem that I have with this book is that I'm just not very much of a bro girl. Like I just don't, <laughs> I don't um, identify with that at all. Yeah, I I liked this book a lot. I think it fell apart in the third act mm-hmm. um, a, a whole lot. Um, my um, I what I liked about it is I thought this book was very funny. It was funny. Um, like I was laughing aloud. Uh, in particular, and they kind of did it too much towards the end, but her phone autocorrects things. <laughs> yeah. And the first couple of times it happens, it's really funny because <laughs> it's like, it's so real, like, at that moment. And the, he makes jokes about his last name, like, it's a hard knocks, his name, like, it's a hard mm-hmm. knocks life. Um, He has a grandmother he lives with who's, like, very funny. She is funny. I love her. Yeah, um, she was, like, kind of a really great levity. One of my favorite parts is, so part of the novel, oh, yeah, another genre thing is that she was his babysitter, the main heroine. And so this was one of my favorite parts. Eloise, who's one of her bandmates, fist bumps me. She's got that throaty way of talking that sometimes reminds me of Zoe Deschanel, and other times she's a smoking frog perpetually tacked to a windpipe. He grew up fucking hot. Babysitter club for grown-ups. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and I, that made me laugh, too. And then then on top of that, she says, okay, ew, I want my fist bump back. <laughs> <laughs> but the babysitter's club for grown-ups. <laughs> that was also funny. Uh, the one thing that I like my- about the book is that um i mean i liked i liked multiple things about this book but um the fact that she's so ridiculously awkward and he's totally into it is like (laughs) it's hilarious like she's like ah fuck he's like why are you so all right i'm into it let's do it he was totally into like going out with her because he just remembered her as like this fun babysitter and she was like but what about the headgear she's <laughs> <laughs> like i don't remember that it's fine just <laughs> cute like he's just like totally into it but he's also a player that's boring also okay so one of the things that i had an issue with was um the ridiculous amount of like explaining how aroused you are <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, yeah, she did that a lot. Like, she would talk a lot about... A lady boner. Her body parts. Yeah, her lady boners. There were so many lady boners in this book. <laughs> I liked that. There were... I liked it. I thought it was a very much a, a wooga, a wooga moment. 
There were so many lady boners. I was like, haha, that's funny. Okay, it's getting old. Okay. And then to the point where I was like, do you know how a woman's biology works? Like, <laughs> it's not, that's not really what happens. <laughs> like, when in romance novels, when they substitute boners for like nipples hardening. Yeah. That's always weird. <laughs> well, there was, there was one part I thought was funny. It was like, and this was another one of those, a wooga, a wooga. <laughs> My panties were, are so hot they're smoking. Like, my panties need to need a cigarette after this, and neither I nor my pussy have ever smoked a day in their lives. <laughs> and sometimes it was, like, over the top, and I was like, <laughs> Like, for instance, this part. Or possibly I'd be just as, just as disappointed, because even though his fingers knew their way around my hoo-ha, there's no, there's no guarantee his man meat could have properly stuffed my pink taco. <laughs> and I was like, what kind of words do you need for romance? Man meat, pink taco. <laughs> so gross. Man meat and pink taco. He inserted his man meat into the pink taco. (laughs) My hoo-ha. She talks about her hoo-ha a lot. She talks a lot about her panties, too. Um, Quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Which I, I, once again, I took it as like a Um, wooga-wooga. You know, because she's so into him and he's like, he's not really into her as much as the idea of her and until later in the novel, which I I kind of liked. But my my main issue with this book, the reason why I say it fell apart in the third act, is she is, um, for most of the book, childless by choice. And she's like... She, this book does a really good job of not only saying someone is a workaholic, but actually inserting her workaholicness into the story. Yeah. Um, which I thought she did really well. So, for example, she's only going to this reunion because she needs to make, she needs to basically her bring in her ex husband slash ex boyfriend, like her teenage. They had like a teenage marriage, and she needs to talk to him because he owns a a organic hop system that her company, which is an organic grocery store, wants to source. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only reason she's going, and she works like routinely in the story until seven or eight o'clock at night. She is constantly worried about work throughout the story. I thought that that was really well done. Like it made it less like oh I work a lot too. I actually work a lot. That's my main thing I do besides being in this in this '90s boy band uh, cover band. And so she's childless by choice in 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 part, which I totally understand, which is she doesn't want to be mommy tracked. She doesn't want to be mommy tracked inside of that company. She knows that she would pay a price if she had children and she's decided not to have children. And later in the book, like no one in the book takes her decision to have cho- not to have children seriously. Um, and then she later in the book also doesn't take her decision to not have children seriously yeah. and, and decides that she wants to have children, which I thought was like really demeaning to... Something which I know that a lot of people I know who are childless by choice have to deal with constantly, which is this, like, doubting of their own intellectual capacity to decide that they do not want to have children. And as a feminist, I found that to be kind of unacceptable. Like, you, like, that's not a trope that you can use in a modern romance novel, even if she pretty much independently came to that decision. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that at all either. Regency novels in particular have this issue a lot and and I'm always like kind of cringing whenever it happens is that women who are barren or women who don't want to have kids eventually have kids, you know. And in this one, it was like, she doesn't want to have kids, but also she has this traumatizing experience that may be like, it may be coloring her view of having kids later because she's so traumatized from her, um, childhood that she doesn't want to pass that on so okay that's fine but also yeah like you I also know a lot of a lot of people who do not want kids and constantly have to have to refute that constantly have to defend their opinion 
which is weird. Like, just don't have kids. Like, I mean, like, this guy is 100% going to be dad material, you know. Um, he definitely wanted kids. And so the fact that they were together and then eventually that they were, that she's going to basically just be okay with his decision is just like, really? Like, <laughs> that's where you're going? Like... <laughs> I don't know about that. When that when that was sort of the plot arc they added, like because already Parker is sort of like she's an interesting character, but she like she has this lowest self esteem project problem. She, I mean, they do a good job in the book once you get to the um, high school reunion to see that like the people she went to school with are actually terrible human beings, and like they're not very good at all, and that's probably part of the problem. I was really sad because I was hoping that they would expose that her ex-husband slash teenage boyfriend was was equally trying to posture, which I think was sort of alluded to, like that they were both trying to show that they were better, even though neither of them were particularly good at that point in their lives. Um, In particular, they made a big thing out of the fact, and this is something that happens in romance novels quite a bit, that he was not a good lover, which I did not think was was important. It's just something that happens in novels in which part of it is is that they just have not been, have never had someone who was as experienced as Mr. Romance. <laughs> yeah. Um, which... <laughs> Also, like, in this book, the lady, and this happens a lot in books, is, like, like they just have her orgasming, like, every page. All the basically. time. All the time. Oh, and she had never had an orgasm before, and she thought she was broken. Because that happens a lot. <laughs> That's my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really disappointed with the, the sum up of her relationship with um, her ex-husband because, I mean, that's where a lot of her insecurities stem from is this weird marriage that she had when she was, like, 17, you know? Yeah. And I I really wanted to, like, clear up that social trauma, but <laughs> it's not a regency, so we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that, like, an interesting um, character study was the fact that later in the book, Knox's mom points out that basically Parker is the embodiment of her, of her, of par- of Knox's father. Um, and that's possibly why he's so attracted to her. And it's really weird. It's delightfully weird because that's something that happens in romance novels all the time is that um, someone is attracted to a man because he reminds them of their father. Uh-huh. And that's not creepy. Uh-huh. But for some reason, this whole, like, the fact that Parker was her, basically, Knox, like, Knox's father was, like, delightfully creepy and weird and perceptive, and I really liked that. <laughs> but she was making more the point that you don't have to worry about being like your father. Okay, here's the other issue I had. <laughs> is that I always come to this when I'm reading contemporary is that I am a bitter jaded person when it comes to the dating market and this reminds me too much of some ex-boyfriends that I have that didn't work out um I will let you know I am a serial librarian assistant dater which is not the same as a librarian yeah. i hope they didn't say they were a librarian yeah. i'm gonna be classist as fuck right now and <laughs> well, tell you those aren't the same thing would even be better for me but i can't like get up to that anyway anyway <laughs> <laughs> um i have dated your fantastic sampling of the world of men who do not give a fuck about their careers and I cannot handle it because I'm very (laughs) ambitious when it comes to my career and every time I meet somebody who's like yeah it's a job I'm like (laughs) And, and I try to pass it off because really how many people are actually really interested in their job anyway um, they're not on OkCupid, okay let me tell you that. <laughs> but um, it was giving me, like, flashbacks of, like, situations. Because also, she's a marketing person. See, this is my life right here. She's a marketing. Okay. She's an SVP of marketing. 
and she is like trying so fucking hard to get him to monetize his Mr. Romance website, which is a blog that is by a dude who talked about romance novels. That's like niche market up the ass. Like that could be totally <laughs> monetized. And he's like, nah. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> that's interesting because on the other side of it like that was so librarian like to not want to monetize your your blog but to try and reach the largest amount of <laughs> of people is it's just very a very librarian way of looking at life my my um, marketing person inside is rolling their eyes so hard right now. This is this is basically like if you and I dated. <laughs> that's what this is. No, it's not. Uh, it's not uh, because you're ambitious as fuck. That's true. That's true. But yeah, and I, I really cannot remember if he stays with his librarian job in the end or if he works for this publishing house. I was re- thinking back to it and I couldn't remember. It doesn't really matter in the th- scheme of the romance novel. I think he like takes part time from it. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I could see yeah. how that was driving nuts because you sent me a text while you're reading this and you're like, he hasn't thought about his retirement plan. And I kept on waiting for the part of the novel that was about his 401k. <laughs> I'm worried, okay? I'm worried. <laughs> and I realized it wasn't. It was just you being worried about his lack of interest in his career. Listen, which he, it is. He's not really very interested. No, he lives with his grandmother and he can barely make ends meet. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I was really fr- frustrated. <laughs> I have been in that situation before where I earn more and more ambitious, have better schooling, and also I have a 401k, and then I date someone who, like, is barely making ends meet, and I'm just like, what is going on here? (laughs) Anyway, this, obviously, it was more personal than... (laughs) But I I know. I did have a hard time with pink taco. <laughs> uh, this is why this is why I don't read contemporary cuz I'm a bitter, <laughs> jaded single woman who has been in the dating realm far too long. I w- I would also say as a librarian that this book did not actively piss me off. That is surprising to me. So he's a reader services librarian. And just to preface this, I'm an academic librarianship librarian. I don't know very much. I don't work that much in public. I I had like one internship over one summer in public librarianship. I will say that one thing that was not part of this novel for very much, which is a big deal in public libraries, is that they're constantly having to deal with homeless people. And he never has to deal with a homeless person, which I felt to be incorrect like because everyone has to work with homeless people who works in public (laughs) however you know he was he did he's kind of like a plutonic idea of what reader sir what a reader services um adult services public librarian is supposed to do they're supposed to give out readers advisory which is when he describes the books and he also runs programs and a lot of what he does are programs and those are all both things that real librarians do and he doesn't spend any time like basically cataloging books because no one in a modern library really catalogs books anymore we have other people who do, <laughs> do that for stamp us stamp things <laughs> We don't stamp things. So like I mean those were true things about it and I really appreciated that his asshole boss was a dude and not a woman though I wish that there had been and and it's interesting that he's a daughter. I mean he's the son of a librarian as well. Um and she seems like a kind of a that kind of capable badass mid-level librarian that you see. And so there's like a mix of different librarians like kind of a a, a kind of unseemly administrator, an adult services librarian and then sort of a later um more powerhouse librarian. Those were all I think pretty relevant besides the fact that and and I really did appreciate that at no part during the book he made a big deal out of that he was a dude that liked romance novels but not that he was a librarian 
that was in a feminized profession, because that's the thing that drives me fucking nuts <laughs> in my librarian world, is guy librarians have want us to all give them, like, the most persecuted medal for entering a feminized profession. <laughs> and I refuse men. to give them such medal, because they are also more likely to be promoted to administration than me, and they fucking know it. They know it. Like, they're just being glass elevated right up to the top. Like... <laughs> And I hate it. Um, so I, I have no sympathy for, like, guy librarians that occasionally get it pointed out to them that they're in a feminized profession. Anyway, he doesn't seem to have that issue. He's chosen romance novels, and he just seems like a dude that's excited about romance novels. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. I had a hard time with him responding the way he did to the editor because... the. He calls the editor Mr. Asshat, and he just, like, and he also, like, within parentheses, like, calls upon the editor's, like, lack of sexual prowess, you know. That, that is a problem in the novel in which it feels a need to question the manhood of other people in the book. When he came on stage and started, like, gyrating to the music, I was like, I'm not into this. But also, I was totally into the Bachelor auction, like... Mm-hmm. And the fact he's a former stripper. Like, those are all things that I, I enjoyed about the story. Um, I could see how you would not like it. I guess, it, like, my standards were so low for a librarian romance. And since, like, no one, no one, well, okay, people had sex in the stacks, but it wasn't the library's people. And everyone was sufficiently angry about it. And he did that thing, like, in the, um the wedding date where he was like i never date i never sit down with one woman you know he also did the she's mine oh yeah that was totally out of character for him (laughs) and also coincidentally the part that i liked the most (laughs) i was like this doesn't make sense in the in the narrative of the story i love it <laughs> I really liked everyone else though. I loved the weird girl who played the drums. I loved the uh-huh. bro twins. I loved the the um her brothers that showed up out of nowhere and would <laughs> just start interrogating him. Apparently the next ep- the next books are like about those guys. Oh, that makes sense. I also liked how about halfway through the story, her boss, who is dating her frat, her bandmate, mm-hmm. becomes a bit of a villain in the story for making her go to this yeah. this reunion in the first place. <laughs> and I kind of liked that turn of point. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked her bandmates in general. I thought they were funny. They weren't. They were kind of interchangeable. But um, I was a little disappointed that this boy band only plays Backstreet Boys. And despite the fact they only play Backstreet Boys, she couldn't identify all five Backstreet Boys members. <laughs> I was a pretty big Backstreet Boys fan. <laughs> oh, okay. And, so this is why you gave it four stars. Backstreet yeah, that's why I gave pledge. <laughs> um, like, come on, Kevin is so clearly different from all the other guys in the band. He's also. How could you not identify Kevin? <laughs> like, I can't understand getting AJ and Howie D mixed up. Oh, They're AJ. pretty much the same person. Except for that AJ, I think, is the one that went to rehab. <laughs> I think you would have liked it more if they would have talked about their feelings for at least a Listen! <laughs> <laughs> that is important to me. <laughs> And also, like, working through your emotional trauma, that's important to me as well. Let's let's have it out with this dude she married for, like, five seconds. Yeah, I think you guys need to resolve your, un- your unfinished business. <laughs> yeah. That was so weird that it didn't come to a resolution. I was also disappointed. I felt like there was a lot of things on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I got the idea that maybe she had also not been very nice to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, you never know. As, I felt like there was two sides to that story and I was hoping 
That's where I thought it was going, was that, like, she really fucked him up mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, and and uh, that he was really just getting back from that. And sort of the realization that they were both better than that point in their lives. Like, I was expecting that sort of realization. That didn't happen. I Something I really hate in, in, in person, I don't really have a strong opinion about it in romance novels, is people who are before and after people. Like, who see their lives before they got skinny or did something yeah. as before, and then they see their selves as, like, the after version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they don't see how that person is equally valid and beautiful and wonderful, and that that person led to this person. Yeah. Right? I hate those people. Like, I feel like that's a really dangerous and insulting way to, like, look at your own growth. Yeah, totally. So, like, I, I, I felt, like, a little bit like they were both before and after people, and they needed to feel like... They needed to love the person that they were, but also see why they were no longer that person. I feel like right after the bathroom thing where she kicks, she breaks a guy's kneecap for her, you know, who's trying to bully mm-hmm. basically her ex-husband. I feel like there should have been like at least 10 pages of their conversation. <laughs> or at least um, like one page. You know, of like, look, I'm sorry that we were both shit to each other in high school. We were not set up for success. It was a very traumatic time. This is... You know, because, like, now that guy has, like, a beautiful wife. Uh-huh. Don't you think he hired her? Like, that wasn't his wife? Yeah. He hired her? I didn't have a strong feeling either way. Also, they showed up in lettuce. We haven't talked about that <laughs> yet. But they showed up in lettuce outfits, <laughs> which was random. Random. <laughs> like, they showed up in outfits that were created of lettuce. Yeah. Like, there was definitely something going on with him where he was grandstanding to a strange point as well. Like, even even her, like, buying somebody to have a date was, was grandstanding in a way, you know? So, the fact that they had such mirrored images of their, like, look at me now kind of bullshit. I was, like, totally over it because, I mean, how much does high school matter to you? I don't know. I feel like I didn't have enough traumatic. I didn't have very many traumatic high school experiences. I feel like all all feelings of exclusion, I think, were self-inflicted, yeah. to tell you the truth. And that, like, I think like, if I hadn't been, if I would have gotten over myself, I probably could have had more fun in high school. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have the best high school experience, but I still don't also ne- feel the need to, like, go to a, a high school reunion and show up with a really hot boyfriend. Like, that's... That's taking it to the extreme. And maybe it's just like, I think also high school reunions are different. And maybe the author is older, but they're different if you live in the Facebook generation. Yeah. You have seen everyone's progression over time Mm -hmm. to a point. So you know that like, there's no like really opportunity to remake yourself in the same way. Yeah. Like you can't just show up and like create a plausible deniability situation right Mm -hmm. because everyone will be kind of part of your network yeah and also like just as a um as a person that grew up in the facebook and instagram genre like i'm not convinced that because somebody has something or they take really good pictures on instagram that they have it all like i've heard all the stories where they people who look like they have it all are actually just spending hours and hours trying to take the perfect Instagram picture. Appearances aren't as important to me, you know. Who gives a fuck? It's high school. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I think her hangups, but also, like, the people who she deals with in that those short interchanges are terrible human beings. So maybe that was also the problem, is that maybe she went to high school with some terrible She got trauma. She got trauma. Yeah. Well, she also shouldn't have returned to that high school reunion. It sounds like those people are toxic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. Anyway, I liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought the ending was weird and unnecessary. Um, I think that they could have made clear. I think that they should have spent more time explaining how Mr. Romance will have finally understood, like, that he wants to settle down with this one woman. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have done a lot more of that versus, like, this weird, like, I'm ready to have babies now conversation. Yeah, and I just, I felt like that was insincere and not very interesting. And and I felt like, like, it just creates more unresolved feelings for me as a reader. It was not an epilogue. (laughs) 
I was just like, damn it. Like, why is she like that? Anything else about this book? Pink taco. <laughs> they had a lot of delicious tacos they ate a oh, lot in this yeah. book you do love that i love it when well they didn't describe the tacos very much i wanted to know more about what meat <laughs> you know tell me more about the food See, why is why is robert Gottlieb all like oh the sex is great but listen you need to start reading some books with some food descriptions Food descriptions. I will say that in general, when we critique books, we talk very little about the sex scenes. The sex scenes were fine in this book. It's just like, there was no reason for her to just orgasm on every page. It was just, it cheapened the sex scenes. Yeah. Meh. But yeah, food. I love it when they describe what they eat. (laughs) All right. So for next month, my lovely husband, Matthew Stonebreaker, will be on. Matthew. Matthew. And we are reading, uh, we're reading a book mostly for the title. Are you ready for this? Scrooge McFuck. <laughs> With the asterisk it, where the U is. Yes, yes, yes. McFuck. 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 It's, it's actually a book two in a series. Some girls do it better. <laughs> um, uh, Piper Stone's hunky entitled Scrooge of a Boss is pushing her buttons every day, but she's he's taken it too far this time. Saying she can't take the holidays off was one thing, preventing her from going home to her sick child. Not happening. She has zero regrets when she, when she resigned. Bennett McFinley can't believe his annoying personal assistant has actually resigned when her cushy from her cushy paid position and he tends to tell her exactly what he thinks about it but when he gets to her place he comes to realize he might not know piper as well as he thought he had <laughs> it looks like it might be a christmas story it is a christmas story of course it's a christmas story <sighs> christmas in love march it. love it christmas in march <laughs> Is where we're going, and that'll pretty much that'll be three season three episode one. Yes, this is this is the season finale mm-hmm. of when we when we read we finally read a librarian romance novel. Yeah, and next will be yeah season season premiere. Yeah, of season three, um, which is pretty one. great. <laughs> I know. I can't believe we read twelve books in a year. That's pretty impressive. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash s2ep12. That's gwenwendy.com slash s2ep12, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter, at Librarian Alana. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind. <laughs> Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!